0: Listener Production. Hi, I'm Elle Ferguson, and this is Sliding Doors, where I chat with inspirational people from the world of fashion and beauty about their sliding door moment. That is, the moment they took a chance or made a life change that led them to where they are now at the top of their game. Having founded my own fashion and beauty brand, The L Effect, I know that succeeding in these industries isn't easy, so I'm inviting the people I admire most on the podcast to share their stories, insights, and tips for turning your passion into a career.
1: This is just how I roll. It's always (laughs) chaos, but we always get there and it's always a little bit raw.
0: (laughs) (laughs) On this episode, I talked to one of my girl crushes, Laura May, who is the founder, CEO and creative director of Nagnada, an Australian fashion and lifestyle brand that I am a huge fan of. You would know Nagnada as the ultimate movement wear that took the industry by storm. But I wanted to know how Laura May got her start in designing for brands where she went when she took a break from the fashion industry and how she reinvented movement wear with comfort and sustainability in mind. Your hustle workouts are great. Do you do them? No, I do not. The first one I watched, you had your hair out and I was invested in just watching if you'd left your hair out the entire workout. (laughs) I first came across Laura May when I worked at General Pants many moons ago. She was the ultimate cool girl working for Suvi and Inside. I wanted to know where she went, what did she do, what did she learn, and how she launched Nagnada. Honestly,
1: our girls are obsessed with you. I think they're just going to die that we had a conversation together.
0: Laura, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm equally as excited to speak to you. So the way I like to start this is with a fast five. So it's five rapid fire questions that you can't think too much about because Mm -hmm. I find that the quicker you answer, the more honest the answers are. So don't think about them too much. Okay. Last song you listened to.
1: Uh, Okay, walking on the beach this morning, I had on my Nagnata Sunshine playlist and Babe Rainbow, um, they have their new album, Changing Colours, and the song is Digest. So I have so many sunny songs on that playlist, but that one is especially sweet. I love that.
0: Okay, sweet or salty?
1: Oh, both, but sweet, more (laughs) sweet.
0: What's one thing I can always find in your
1: handbag? cacao, chocolate, loco love. Oh, <laughs> it love gets that. me through the day.
0: This is why my sister loves you. This explains oh, so much. So
1: I'm addicted. I have a problem. Favorite movie. Oh, I love candy with Heath Ledger and Abby Cornish back in the day.
0: Oh, it's like I, I could go on about ripped, that. That's just out, your, yes. your heart.
1: Yes. <laughs> Beautiful film.
0: And what is one thing you're looking forward to for the end of 2021?
1: Sunshine, summer, freedom, being with friends, all the simple things. Lucky last, friends or Seinfeld? Oh, Seinfeld. Nice. I always get a
0: really <laughs> good understanding of somebody with those questions. And I realize <laughs> that I like them even more when I hear the answers. So, Laura. Laura. I actually had such a big girl crush on you when I worked at General Pants. No way. Yes. Yes. You were like this cool girl that would just be like you were in the industry obviously mm. and mm. we kind of crossed over with a few things but I just was like you are the coolest chick I've ever seen and then you disappeared and then you came back <laughs> and you launched a brand and then you were this ultimate boss babe. And I'm
1: here today to find out how it all
0: happened. So.
1: Wow. That's so, <laughs> when you were at General Pants, I think I must've been at like Insight Studio, yes, right? In yes, that period. Yes. And then I literally did disappear. Yes. I had enough. Yes. So that's so interesting that you saw that drop off. Cause I just, I got out of the industry for a year. Yeah and then reemerge and we have we've danced around each other and it's really like this podcast we're going to get to know <laughs> each other more which i think is really cool so
0: if we go back a little bit where did you start how did you break into the industry where did it all start
1: yeah i mean look it was a slow burn but it was also something that since high school i was just really drawn to fashion and it was kind of my medium for expression without really even realizing it you know i made a lot of art and in art class I was making these wearable art pieces and my teachers at the time were like there's something in this for you and at high school I even studied fashion um, at the White House at the time that school as a part of the HSC because we didn't have it in our curriculum at school so I was really creatively focused and mainly interested in art drama English and I didn't get a UAI. I I kind of knew at like sixteen that I wanted to work in this this creative space, and that I didn't want to go to university. And so I started studying by year ten. And when I left high school, I did TAFE for a year to get you know a technical understanding of patterns and grading and sewing and all the things that, that maybe are not the aspects that I'm great at. But it's like I had the creativity, I had the vision, I but, you know, you need to know the technicals. So I, I went off and did that and I lasted a year. And from my kind of, we did a show at the end of first year and with that collection, like we made all our samples, did a runway show and I presented that to Leona Edmonston because I saw like back in the time when jobs were advertised in the paper, I (laughs) saw like a tiny little thing advertising for a production assistant. And I was kind of like, oh, I don't even like production. It's like the boring part of design, I thought at the time. Um, But I applied for that job and I got it. And so I started working at 19 and that's kind of where it all started.
0: That's amazing. How did you go from Leona Edmondson into like Insight and Sumi? Because mm. they, I mean, they're yeah. such leaders in our Australian fashion landscape. And I remember it was the same when I was at GP, they were like the cool yeah, jobs Yeah, they, the cool they were the cool kids. It was the cool yes. company. <laughs> yeah. So how did you transition?
1: Well, I mean, yeah, the Goro brothers I worked really closely with and Dan Single um, and they, yeah, they really helped shape and a lot of who I am as, I guess, a designer and how I work art and culture into my brand now. And they definitely gave me a huge opportunity. Yeah, I started there when I was 24. So there was five years in between Leona and them where I just worked for a lot of Australian fashion brands. Um, You know, I was fit modeling for Sass and Bide. I did the three years at Leona where I went from production through to designing children's wear, helping with her ready-to-wear. And I went from working, you know, when the Australian fashion industry was all in Surrey Hills, Kipak Street, and you're going to the makers and the cutters and the sewers, Mm. and then the whole industry shifted offshore, you know. So three years at Leona, I went from local to offshore development. So I was like working in China and it was really a an education working with her. And that just put me in a really great place to work for a variety of other designers. You know, I worked for um, Alice McCall. She's been amazing. I do a lot of kind of maternity covers and shorter stits because that suits my personality. So I'd step in and work for Alice. Um, In the
0: production role or were you No, so that was
1: all design. I never went back in, I did production at Leona and then every other role has been creative for me. So And it's all been through word of mouth. I think any time I actually apply for a job since Leona, I don't get it. I get the ones that people just come to me. It's been a very organic process in that sense. But I have worked, you know, I worked a little bit as a model when I was younger. So I had that kind of other experience on the other side of the camera and learnt quite young, like how to create shoots and imagery. And I would do some styling on the side and... And the the opportunity with Inside and Subie came. I was over in New York and I was interning with Alexander Wang for a while. And Can we just
0: talk about that for a moment? <laughs> when that popped up, I was like... <laughs> Well, this I didn't know, and this is so cool. Can we just talk about that? How did that happen?
1: It was really cool. Again, it was back in the day when you could just email info at Alexander Wang and be like, hey, (laughs) I'm interested to intern with you. Here's my experience. And I'd been in, I think I was in London and Paris at the time. So I was doing stints over at Central Saint Martin. So in between jobs, I kind of have this thing where I work for a while and I do the nine to five, and then I feel really constricted and I have to get out. And I would yep. go to London and do summers at St. Martin's just to keep wow. up my kind of creative learning. And I love that school so much. Um, and I was over there, and then I went and did an internship in Paris with a illustrator and designer at the time, LaVisa Burfett. And I was in Paris, and I, I was going to come home, and I broke up with my boyfriend in Paris, and I was so heartbroken and i was like i'm going to go to new york i just need i need something there like what am i going to do there so yeah. i literally just emailed info wang and it's like those things that were meant to be and they said well actually our production manager is having a baby we need someone to come in and do a maternity cover wow so i went to new york and i i had a, about a 3 or 4 month stint working with him and I worked in production there and I was also doing fit modeling for him as well. So that was really cool being able to watch his design process. And, you know, those companies over in America, they really are run by interns. It's back then anyway. I think maybe laws have changed now, but there must have been like 30 groms running around on the garment district and stuff. But I was really lucky to have an actual kind of role. And yeah, I was working for free. But at oh. the end, <laughs> for three months, <laughs> ran out of all my money. My dad was like, what oh are you doing? I that. <laughs> And so I came, they offered me a job, but I literally had no money to stay in New York and um, felt like I better come back and see my ex-boyfriend and what's going on. And so I thought I'll come back to Sydney for a short stint. I worked at the Subi store. I was like, I'll save some money. I didn't really want to be in Australia. I felt like I'd, I'd done that. I'd yeah. worked for everyone. I wanted to be international yeah. and... And it was working in the Subi store. I just got pulled into some opportunities with the boys. Um, First is to do some like trend direction work for Subi because they had apples at the time, a friend of mine as well. And she was having a baby. So again, they were like, hey, Law, can you help shape the collection and just step in while she's on maternity? So I was doing that. And George saw all of my kind of concept boards and was like, hey, we actually need you to rebrand Insight. It was when the industry was going from being really like surf focused. And it's yes. like, girls don't wear this anymore. No. Like surf is great for guys, but girls are not We were wearing- so thankful for you yeah. <laughs> when you came.
0: I remember when it happened. I was like, somebody's got some taste and like some style for the yeah, girls. It changed. I literally remember when it changed, That's so cool. and it was like the brand you didn't look at, and then all of a sudden it was like you wanted to be decked out in it. Like it was a vibe. So thank you.
1: <laughs> awesome pleasure. It took some perseverance to convince all the men, but um, yeah, the goros are really supportive of me and my vision then, and it was a wild ride. Like I went, I was in there for a few days and they said, do you want to come to Tokyo on the design research trip? And I said, yeah, why not? And we went to Tokyo, you know, to look at, they're kind of the leaders in concept stores, innovation, fabric, design, you know, we would always look at high end, but it's like, how do you translate that and those fabrications and that design aesthetic, but at an affordable price point, you know, like I've always being very focused on quality fabrications. And I hate anything that feels cheap and isn't made from, you know, natural fibers or at least quality synthetics. Um, So we would go to Tokyo, then we'd go to Bangkok and we would do all of our vintage sourcing from the big vintage warehouses over there that were untouched. You'd be in like garbage bags full of oh, wow. vintage clothing. And, you know, the vibe of that yes. brand there was a lot of um, reinterpreted vintage T-shirts and denim workwear. So it was all coming from... Bangkok, and then we would go to Hong Kong, China, and I would have references of beautiful fabrications and vintage. And then we would develop with the factories there, and be like, "Right, how can we do this within our price point?" And how amazing! In, and just trying to make the brand, I guess, a little bit more street and cooler for what girls at the time wanted to wear, yeah, which was a little surfy board shorts, you know. No.
0: And <laughs> I, f- I find it so amazing just to like reflect on that because I I feel like you would probably get asked the question all the time as well. It's like, how do you do it? How do you make it? And Mm. I think it's so amazing to just hear the story of just hard work, you know what I mean? And like jumping in on those maternity leaves and just putting your hand up and working for free. It's like, sometimes you've just got to keep going. There's no secret sauce. You've just got to keep going.
1: And I think a lot of people now, it's changing so much that everyone wants everything Quickly, you know, and they don't want to work for it. And you would know like old school in the industry, not that we're even that old, but there's such a generation shift now where – People think they can just have it all. You know, you can start a brand straight out of school if you want, but just you learn from mentors and you need to be humble and you need to be open. And like my training really came from all the incredible people around me and learning what businesses did well and didn't do well. Like you need to know business to survive in this industry. And I didn't study business. I learned it by being in business, you know. You can turn it on overnight. But it takes time to like learn the
0: landscape, learn what works. And it was funny because I was like, yeah, we've all been in the hustle.
1: Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then there's substance, you know, you have something to fall back. It's like foundation is everything in all of our platforms, in everything that we do. And then that experience builds community.
0: This is true. And they trust the mm. community it's true. Yeah. I always say that about the people that have been part of my community for 10 years. They know me so well and they trust my voice because and it's the same with you, you know what I mean? They trust your voice because oh, girls
1: love you. We the post you did the other day for us in the blush set, girls lost it. It was amazing. And and I think they just they do. They really listen to you and look up to you and can relate to you as well, you know. Yeah,
0: well, they you part you know like you feel like you you know each other, and I guess that's to my point, can I ask, um, what was your big sliding door moment? And I feel like it could be when you disappeared and you came back, which I'm dying to know, but without me putting words in your mouth, what was your big sliding door moment in your, I guess, life career so far?
1: It was when I disappeared. So at the (laughs) end of, (laughs) at the end of my stint at Insight, things were changing in the industry like i said fast fashion was becoming very prevalent um yeah. everything was about top shop zara you know we had to bring our prices down therefore quality yeah. was coming down you know and i was going to factories and i have to be honest what i was seeing was not cool you know i would yeah. be in denim wash houses and there was waterways filled with toxic pollution and the runoff from dyes and I was really through that that time as well. I was really studying a lot of like Eastern philosophy. Yoga was a huge part of my life. You know, I went through a, a real yeah. healing journey in my early 20s and was making a lot of shifts in my life. And as fun and cultural and, you know, um, educational, that whole experience was inside, I just almost outgrew it. And I was realizing that my personal ethos yep. were not aligned with how, what the work I was needing to do in the industry. And I was starting to look at, you know, designers like Stella McCartney or there was yes. a brand around at the time called May It. Like there was only a tiny handful of designers or brands that were really putting sustainability at the forefront or working with artisans, but bringing it into a contemporary context. And this was exciting me and this was what spoke to me. And I, I couldn't see that around me in Australia and mm. I knew I needed to step out and, and think about what I wanted to put out in the world. And I was burnt out. It was so much travel. The amount of collections I was being asked to design, it was like four core collections a year, plus denim, plus swimwear, plus resort. Yeah. Everything needed a theme, everything. At a price that, point. Right, at a price at, point. At a price point. <laughs> like it was too much. And I was doing all of that on the road and presenting it. And I just had enough and I couldn't do it. So I went to Mexico and I consulted for them for a while from there until it, you know, it just wasn't really working. And
0: Why Mexico?
1: Well, I'd spent a lot of time in L.A. and Mexico was close to L.A. and I could go back and forth. I think you could only spend three months at a time there. So i do three months, go back to L.A. or New York, back to Mexico. Um, I was really interested in Mayan culture. Um, They've got beautiful textiles. And there was just a lot of great yoga retreats over there. Um, I was studying tantric yoga for a while. My friends always laughed because they thought I'd literally gone and joined a cult. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> I don't think, I think we just, I did not even know if I had Instagram back there, but I, I went into it. this I place called La Pyramids and <laughs> yeah. went on silent retreat for weeks and, I, and oh, that's wow. where I started like drawing Nagnata and I came up yeah. with the first collection like In Silence but more just oh, writing. Oh, I got
0: goosebumps it. at that. That's wild. Yeah. Wow. yeah,
1: it just came from that time of reflection and, yeah, really thinking about what I wanted to put out into the world and um, how my personal ethos and, I guess, like this Eastern philosophy would reflect into a business model and yep. that's how. Like I knew how the industry ran, but how was I going to run my brand and how yep. would that work or push back on the industry. And I did like a year of writing before I even sent off a design or even thought about suppliers. You know, it yeah. was just, it was really good soul time for me over there. So um, that's kind of where you disappeared. Where the foundation, to. <laughs> that's where I disappeared. It was amazing. And I've never had a time like that again in my life. It's yeah. like, if you, I always say to people, like, if there's a period in your life where you can go and tap out and be indulgent you know that is so indulgent but also i'd worked for 8 years with not much yeah. of a holiday or not much breathing space you know so that was my my gift to myself and it's been about 8 years since and i've barely had a week off you know so it's like yeah. you take that time when you can get it because it's going to it's going to set you in good stead for you know the next phase When you kind of
0: went through all of that and even now, who supported your dreams? Like who was your support system?
1: Look, I think it's just friends and family really. Like there was this moment in Mexico where I had been offered a job in the States and it was for a huge company and it was designing also an active movement line because I kind of presented that I was interested in that and they gave me this incredible opportunity. But you know, the negotiation was hard. They were not giving me much time to come back home to Australia. They were being really tough on a few points. And I I was watching the sunrise one morning and I, I, it was such a defined moment for me where I said, I can take this job. It's great for my career, but am I going to be happy? And am yeah. I going to be in an environment that I'm going to thrive and be able to do the work that I want to do? Or do I just like back myself and start this brand? And Oh, I love this. I love when you have that moment. And it was, I chose lifestyle and health and happiness and independence over the security of a job, which would have been, you know, my key into the States that I thought I wanted at the time. And I called my parents. I hadn't been speaking to them much in Mexico. but um, (laughs) And yeah, my dad was so supportive and my mum too. And they said, you know, we'll give you some money to put into the business if and when you need it. And they have been really supportive. And, you know, I've paid back every dollar, but I knew starting a fashion brand is expensive. And I think to have that support from them really helped me know that, I'd be okay. And and then it's just friends as well. You know, when I was developing samples, I had all my friends wearing the NAG prototypes to yoga and like oh, these yeah. thick knits that just, I'd be in the studio, not even focusing on my practice, just looking at them being like, oh no, like that knit's too thick. She doesn't yes. look great in it or her yeah. bum doesn't look good. Where did it come good.
0: from though? Like, how did you, I mean, it's such an amazing brand and it's got such an identity and it's so, different. You know what I mean? And Mm. I mean, how old is the brand
1: now? It's about four years we've been on the market. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you still stand out and have your handwriting, but Mm. where did it come from? Like even just the weave and the print and the shapes, like where did you pull, like, you don't have to tell me all your secrets, but I just, (laughs) I find it amazing for people to do stuff that is so unique. And it is so one of a kind. So I would just
1: like to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think that just comes from the innovation process and like any brand that has a very strong identity has designers and team behind it that focus on innovation. So I wanted to create a uniform mainly for myself, to be honest, what I wanted wasn't on the market. Like I yep. said, I was doing a lot of yoga and a lot of practice and I was always wearing vintage clothes or I was wearing like beautiful Italian knits because for me, lycra clothing in the yoga studio, it restricts your breath. And you're wearing synthetics on your skin as well. So it's like synthetics are derived from petrochemicals, petrol. So you're putting that on your body. When you're doing practice, your pores are open. Like we're absorbing everything that's on our skin, you know? Clean beauty is such a big movement now. Why are people not thinking about clean clothes and fiber? So for me, I was like, okay, I need natural fibers in this clothing that I'm wearing to practice. I want knitwear because you can engineer to shape. So you're not having material waste for the flatbed knitwear okay. that I started with. Circular yep. knit, as I've got more performance, you have had to move on to circular and there is wastage in circular, but therefore that's why I've been really big on using merino wool, which is a renewable fiber to the highest contents that I can because most people we'll use synthetics in that because natural fibers break. So it was like a lot of testing. Yeah. And learning. Yeah, I was so much. I spent two years. So that time in Mexico, I spent two years developing and that's when I moved to Byron um after Mexico, and I spent two years developing and still working for other brands on the yeah. side to, to fund my development process. We love that. To try and come. Oh, you're we hustling. You are, you are hustling. I think I only started paying myself two years ago, to be yeah. honest. Like, people don't. It's so grassroots. Yeah. The f- time I was finally, I took myself on salary. I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, is this real? Now I've made it, you know. Yes. It's and funny um, when
0: everybody else gets paid by you. <laughs> oh, every, everyone,
1: everyone. But I'm also like, shout out to my friends that, you know, would be my models and my photographers yeah. and, you know, like girls like you, you know, that didn't personally know me and have shared and posted about our brand, not paid because of love and support. Yeah. Like that's how Nagnata came about. And that that's... goes to my
0: sister. My sister was obsessed. Oh, it was she... Lucy. She did it for me. And this is my shout out to her because she was like, you've got to see this brand. And I remember her going, paying full price. You know yep. what I mean? Yeah, Loving it, living it in it. And then I saw her wear it and I was like, dude, I need to be wearing what you're wearing. So it's, <laughs> it, it's a testament to your brand because thank you. It, again, it's one of a kind and just hearing those facts of things you want to implement into your business. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think so many people now are like, I want to create a fashion brand. And why,
1: like, why are you doing it? You know, That's it's like, it. you yeah. have to ask, why do I want to put this out into the world? And you, that people forget the purpose and the purpose is I want women to put on our clothing and feel amazing. I don't want them to feel like their bits are hanging out. I want them to feel held and chic and have classic lines and fabric, you know, thick enough or quality fabric that's going to hold you and shape you and feel breathable, but also not look like everyone else in the studio. You know, like I've said, yeah. I've always had a, a love of expression through clothing, style, colour. I haven't wanted to look like anyone else and I want to give women the confidence also to stand out and not look like everyone else. Like, why I wear black sometimes, but I don't yeah. want to always <laughs> wear black in the studio. You know, yeah. When I'm wearing black, I don't want to be that seen. I want to feel more understated. When I'm wearing reds and yellows, like I, I feel strong and vibrant. And it's it's giving women the confidence to own that and kind of shine and, and stand out. So, you know, that's a lot of what goes into our design process is how are women going to feel in this and and giving them a uniform. It's like, I worked a lot of retail when I was younger as well. And yeah. I always found, I was always put in the change rooms because I loved yeah, dressing <laughs> people. I loved, yes. I didn't even like to sell. I was, if it's women didn't look good, I'd be like, yeah, I'd be like, mm, babe, that's not for you. <laughs> like, <laughs> not your best look. Yes. Um. But, you know, I loved seeing how women felt when they put on something that they looked great in or felt great in, like that's powerful. So it's yeah. like having that love for empowering women through clothing. And, you know, so many people think fashion can be fickle and no substance and it can, but there can be substance and depth and empowerment and art and all of those things. If you choose to build your brand in a way that has them kind of at the foundations. When did it start to get momentum?
0: Because Mm. I feel like it was a little baby. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like, boom, I'm here
1: it went really quickly so it was a baby when i was working out of india and working with like artisan textiles everyone was like oh my gosh Nagnada went from being really bohemian yeah. and artisan to super contemporary and for me it was all of that contemporary knitwear was in the works but like i said it took 2 years and yeah. i i was over in india working on artisan projects which is another love of mine and really the foundation of the brand and that was gaining momentum and following because it was quite unique with all of these upcycled textiles. And then I launched the movement line, movement 01, all organic cotton, engineered to shape, no yarn wastage. And everyone was like, What is this? Yeah. And it was only online. Vogue picked it up, didn't they? Vogue picked it up, but Netta Porter was actually, to be honest, the first big win that we had. Wow. And I launched it online, and I took a real—you know—this was a real risk. That's where all my capital went. Um, for yep. my dad, I put that straight into production, wow. and I put launched the collection online. My friend Akila photographed it; it looked amazing. But it was a—it was a slow burn. And then, so we had it online, and I went and did a sales tour. So I went to New York, Paris, London, okay. and I was reselling the collection that I already had online, and hoping that people would just buy indents, stores would buy indents. Uh, and yeah. then I met with a net buyer in London. The Walmart Company kindly offered me their offices because I'd started doing some some exploration with them on Merino Wool. And yep. they said, look, Laura, you can do some showings from our office. They were so supportive of me at that time. And, and the Walmart Company, shout out to them, have helped so much yep. with, you know, supplier contacts and education and just support that you need. yeah. And I showed NET and they loved it. And I I went to Berlin like the next day and this order came through, like a hundred grand order. Wow. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Love that. Thank you. Um, Do you think you could reduce the order and maybe just take all my stock, but can you just take what I have? And they're like, that won't go across our three DCs. Like you need oh, to wow. reproduce for us. And I was like, where am I going to get the money? It was a huge investment. Yeah. What'd you do? Well, we, I loaned some money. And my sister also bought in at this time. So I had – so she kind of bought in and and put cash into the business and now she's my business partner. Oh, amazing. And so, you know, she's been incredibly supportive. She saw the potential of the brand and me and was also like, okay, Laura is terrible with money and needs help. (laughs) 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 And and so we produced a collection for NET, the same one, Movement 001, and they were like, we don't care that it's already been on the market. Like this is great. We will yeah. back it. And from having NET and launching with them, it, it just That's amazing. grew and had its own kind of um, momentum from there, really. And they've still been our strongest long-term partner. Um, we have some great support here in Australia with boutiques that are, are yeah. dear friends of mine, but NET very much yeah. put us on the international platform. And it's wild because I was like, NET was my dream store. When I yeah. was starting this, I was like, I want to be on NET one day. Yeah. And we were their first, first collection. Oh, and I was like, I've got, I'm oh, covered.
0: I'm literally well. <laughs> from like head to toe with goosebumps. It's just so... <laughs> It's so amazing when you get, you hear the story of people that have like succeeded in that moment where it kind of just, you do have to take a risk, you know what I mean? But then like somebody like that to believe in you is
1: like incredible. And they're the things that keep you going because you realize you are onto something and to keep going. And it's that feedback you get from industry, customers, community, all those little things keep you going. Otherwise. Well, that's
0: what I want to ask about because we often ask about imposter syndrome or you probably have to hear mm a hundred no's before you get a Mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. Was there a point where you kind of were like, it's not going to work. This is too hard. People don't get what I'm going on about. Was there a point in your Nignata journey that that kind of happened and you had to push through? I think in the
1: development process, because everyone I spoke to was like, Knitwear in the studio. Yeah, that I don't get it, Laura. And yeah. I, I was digging deep inside me to like have that self belief and that was a risk. It was such a risk and there was so much anxiety. I remember so many tears, like through all of that period yeah. being like, what am I doing? I could be working for a great brand right now just cruising. Yeah. But, you know, the, that kind of drive and, and vision inside of you is what you need to have to try anything new and and, and really run a business with integrity, yeah. you know, or, or resonating with your truth. And um, so, yeah, there was, there was a lot of periods, but I think once it, once it was online and once it was in stores, I knew that um, people wanted it. It was now a matter of refining the quality, refining the fabric, focusing on innovation, like, and just you know kept going with that process, which really is never ending. And now, now suddenly, all these brands are doing knitwear in the studios. You know, I was gonna real- ask
0: it. I was gonna ask about. I was gonna dabble on that and just wanted to get your opinion because. I think what's interesting when you are a leader and you do start something new mm-hmm. and when when it succeeds other people kind of pop their head up and go oh if they're doing it I'm gonna do it but they never do it with the same integrity Mm -hmm. we had Natalie from Bala on you know
1: we shared a studio with Natalie in LA so our design studio with the Bala girls I love love Bala and I'm so happy that you spoke to her she's amazing energy the best brand I love them well I had the same question for
0: her because she had a lot of people Mm. ripping her off you know what I mean in the simpler sense and I guess I probably want to ask you the same question because you are a leader. You do do your own thing. And then a lot of people do pick up similar styles. How does it make you feel and how do you deal with it?
1: Oh, I used to get so angry about it. And, you know, I don't know if you've seen, but I have called out some of the worst ones that have very high profiles and like all these media channels picked it up. And I realized that was... A bold thing to do and I was completely supported by the industry, but it also was a lot of, you know, it's a lot of negative, it's a lot of negative energy, you know. Yeah. But it's also important. I don't regret calling out the ones that I've called out because I know I've been right. I would buy their samples, put them on top of mine, they would measure to the millimeter. It's the same knits but in a Visco. So they do it in a cheaper yarn. It's almost identical. I know they're buying my pieces, sending them to factories, and I'm like, if you're gonna do that, cool, but stand behind it and I am gonna call it out. And And now it's to such a degree that we just have to laugh. Every day, girls are sending me like nagnata ripos from pretty much every movement, active brand. I don't think there's anyone that hasn't done like a a houndstooth knit in their sports set now, you know, or a houndstooth print, which... I mean, you were the leader. Yeah, we don't own, you know, we don't own that, everything. But, you know, we were interpreting a lot of our inspiration is from like... Uh, woolen suiting, you know, and translating suits to to knit, to sports and, you know, all those elements that make up your signature. And so, and look, now this has happened forever in the industry. It's happened to all the designers that I've worked for. I just pick my battles with it. You know, if something's really close to home and really not cool, I'll email the CEOs. I'll send, I'll ask them for you know, references or have a talk to their design team. I do all of that kind of behind the scenes. But also, you know, it's not always the best use of my time. And so I'm trying to really just focus on innovation and moving forward. I think that's amazing to
0: hear because you can sit in that negative space. And Natalie Mm. actually said the same thing. You know, Mm. at the beginning, it's very emotional. It's very Mm. triggering. And then you realise how much space it takes up in your mind and your body. And you kind of gotta make the choice whether you wanna focus on that or you wanna focus on moving forward and what else you can do. And it's great to hear that you're there.
1: Yeah. Everything has resonance, right? Yeah. We find our community is so loyal to mm. us and they're connecting with something deeper than just the product. They're connecting with, you know, our ethos and and so the girls that are buying the copies are not the girls buying Nagnata, you know? Yeah. And there's you know, a piece of the pie for everybody. So it's just focusing on like serving your your customers and your community and then they're going to stand by you, which they do. And we've been shown time and time again how strong our community is. So now I'm like they're the people that I focus on yeah. and I just want to keep going with my process now.
0: Yeah. And I mean, with saying that, I would love to know what's next.
1: Mm. What is on
0: the horizon? What is happening? Hopefully you're not disappearing back to Mexico
1: anytime soon. <laughs> I would love to disappear for a little while. It'd be really nice. But you, can't, <laughs> you
0: can't. You can't. We need, can't. You. we need newness. We need new.
1: I know. Well, I've just, we've hired... A lot of new team. We've grown so much in the last year or so and I feel really supported now which is nice because I can start to focus back on bigger projects rather than you know just the day-to-day and HR and all the business aspect really takes over and I'm looking forward to getting back into the creativity and We are working on some special projects. Like we've launched Everything Comes From Country, which I might just give a quick kind of mention to, but that's a project, a charity project with Children's Ground, which is raising funds for a community in West Arnhem Land. Um, We really want to give back to community and I think, you know, we're so privileged to have a brand that is successful and, you know, we really want to have a positive impact and and give back through arts and, and fashion and so... Yeah, we're working on more philanthropic kind of projects. I can't say too much. Um, We're also bringing artisan work back into the brand, which I'm excited about, focusing on home soil with that and really implementing grassroots projects. What does that mean when you say that artisans? So, artisans is working with, so in India, it's working with communities that are making with their hands yep. from, for us, it's all natural material. So, for example, we would do weaving um, and work with like a community called Women Weave and they would grow their own cotton. They would dye it naturally. Then we would work on the um, hand looms oh, wow. and weave shawls and scarves. You know, when we first started, we did all those beautiful beach throws, which girls yeah. are still asking us for. Um, other times I work with, you know, I would go out to um, Bhuj in India and work with like Rabari tribes and And using their discarded clothing, like reappropriating that into um, we did clothing and bags. Now in Australia we want to work with Indigenous communities and I don't want to reveal too much about the product lines that we're thinking, but, you know, it's working with communities that still work with their hands with traditional practices. That's incredible. And then translating that into a contemporary context because I think there's a lot of power in, you know, charity is great, but how can we provide work and economic opportunities? Like business, business to these less privileged communities and through craft and arts, which we all have an appreciation for, and We have a platform. So having that connection to provide work and, you know, these are all all pieces that have such emotional connections and special processes that I love. So to allow Nagnata to help contribute to that um, is something that we're really passionate about.
0: That sounds amazing. And that's why I think when you buy your pieces, there's so much more than just a jumper or an amazing dress or a cute pair of bike pants. There is, you do feel that with, I, I actually didn't even know that, you know what I mean? And you do, yeah. you feel it without actually knowing it and mm. I think we're a lot more conscious shoppers now you know what I mean and we're very particular about where our money goes because we're mm-hmm. working so hard for it and you do want it to go somewhere that's going to pay it forward
1: right like powering your purchasing and this is yeah. such conscious consumerism powering your purchasing all of this. every dollar we spend like we should know where it's going you should be reading yeah. the ingredients the fibers reading about the brand like I've been like that for a long time like obsessively so mm-hmm. and and I think that more and more, like you said, women are, and men are more aware and having the time to really research what they're, what they're spending, where their money goes, because it does, it does make a huge difference. So yeah, and trying to support it. brands, businesses that kind of give a damn is. <laughs> yeah. It's a good thing to do. Yeah. It's a great thing.
0: So I'm sure lots of people have been listening to this and they've fallen even more in love with you and just hearing your story. I always like to offer a little bit of advice to people that are thinking about starting their own journey or, you know, trying to go it alone. Is there anything that you could share with your words of wisdom to people that are listening to this?
1: Sure. I mean, I guess by listening to my story, you could see the emphasis that I put on a concept and the ethos and the foundations and really trying to put something out in the world that Means something to you and is as original as possible. Obviously everything's kind of appropriated from, from other influences in our life to a degree. You know, like I was inspired by knitted swimsuits in the twenties and Mm fifties. You know, I didn't invent that.
0: Mm. I I
1: found these swimsuits and I, I, it gave me an idea of how to create this kind of contemporary uniform for it. And yeah, I just think it's about spending that time to, because this is going to be a huge part of your life. Business becomes your baby. There are so many sacrifices that you make and you have to love it, live it, breathe it. And and also something that you're going to be interested in, in five years, 10 years time, you know, for me, I definitely have focused on creating a uniform that I will want to wear, you know, well into my forties and fifties and sixties. And we do have that customer. Oh,
0: and they look amazing. Oh, they look incredible. There's Some of them pop up and I'm like, I need all of that. And that's how I want to exist. You do it. So a hundred percent. And you also are very size inclusive. I just have to say, I know a lot of brands are very much trying to do that. Now I feel like Mm. you guys were doing it from the get go. And I also feel like what's amazing if anybody ever has the opportunity to shop in your store in Byron Mm. is that everybody's in there. Do you know what I mean? Like every there's all sizes, there's all shapes, there's everybody, and it's it is a community. It's really a safe space to get your kid off and try on some tight clothing.
1: Right, and that's <laughs> why we created this retail space. And it's again the the space is pretty lo-fi when we started. I just was like, well, we have this big design studio, let's do a store just so our community can come down and feel the fabrics and have yeah. an opportunity to put them on. Because yeah, at the start we would get a lot of pushback being nagnitas only for skinny girls or, you know, if you're yeah. not a size eight to 10, you can't wear the mini shorts, but I'm like, it's knitwear guys. You can yeah. wear this all throughout pregnancy and postpartum and still wear See, it again amazing. because yeah. it returns to shape, you know? So there's longevity, there's versatility and it's, you know, there are skimpier styles and there's other styles that have just that little bit of scoop to kind of like hold your bum and cover your bits because I'm all about that. Sometimes I feel yeah. so oh, fit me. and toned and other <laughs> times I'm like,
0: you know. <laughs> I had this conversation with my sister because I was like, you know what, on our skinny days we can wear the little crop and then when we're not feeling the best yes. we can wrap something <laughs> around our waist. It's quite good. It's exactly.
1: Fun. So the, the space down here has been great feedback for us as well because you get that direct. Yep. conversation with customers and they will be like, hmm, I like this, but I do want a bit more fabric here. I want a bit more length. And, oh, you know, yeah. so we have got more and more size inclusive yep. and it has been an organic journey and a true journey. And um, we just try to be really transparent and we've tried to keep our brand quite personal. It's this balance of, Yeah, we are elevated and global and a lot of people, especially before COVID, weren't quite sure where Nagnata was from, you know, is it a a US brand, was it LA or Scandinavian or, you know, Sydney based, but we, we, you know, we answer every single DM, we talk to every single customer, like it's just that connection so we can keep kind of educating and that kind of works for
0: us. Oh, it works. Trust me. You've got a big <laughs> fan in me and my sister and even my partner Joel is also a big fan. So. Oh, is
1: he getting into the Sama collection? <laughs> yes,
0: I do. The last time we were there, shout out to Morgan for dressing Joel when oh. we, were, we were there. It was, it was a family affair. But.
1: <laughs> I love that. I know getting the boys yeah. now into yes. Nagnata is the next thing. They've been like...
0: Yeah, but it's good because it's a universal wardrobe. Yeah. This is my thoughts. This this everybody is everybody can wear it. it. Yes. This is the
1: whole thing. Like I want the boys where we had a lot of guy friends that were borrowing the women's knits but they were like oh I need a bit more length or the neck's a bit high so yeah. it was actually guys asking me or, or you know Bay Rainbow that I mentioned earlier they were wearing us on stage and those boys loved it and Love so that. that's why I was like oh actually this is not too forward for the men the men want something a little bit different but still yeah. classic you know yep. And then you can share your wardrobe and that's even more versatile and everything's like cost per wear, you know, like the more you wear it, you know, that's a big aspect of sustainability as well. That You can make something of the most kind of natural fibres and low impact manufacturing kind of process, but is it just going to sit in your wardrobe forever? You know, like how much are you actually wearing it and getting use out of it? So that's, um, yeah, a very big consideration of ours. We love that.
0: Laura, At the beginning, I said I had a girl crush on you. My crush is growing even more now. (laughs) I love hearing your journey. I also love hearing the passion that's behind the brand. And I think when somebody is a true creative and wants to create, but for the right reason, it just lights a fire in me. So I just have to say thank you so much for joining me and just sharing your words of wisdom and also just getting the fire going like I'm excited you really made my day so thank
1: you (laughs) well thank you also for you know doing exactly the same with your platform like I really appreciate your support and your kindness and um being able to share Nagnata with your audience because it's definitely helped and and been a big part of our journey and growth so much appreciation to you too
0: Sliding Doors is hosted by me, Elle Ferguson, producer Tina Matelog, audio production by Darcy Thompson, executive producer Jennifer Goggin, and a special thanks to my manager Camille Toulouse for always being a fresh pair of ears on each episode. Listener.